So, Paul, um, are you looking forward to going to Waheke? I am, actually. I've never been to that island before. And the reason we're going there is largely because of you, isn't it? Exactly. <laughs> it was your idea, Brad. Well, we can talk about how much wine and food there'll be but um, later on, but... Um, we're doing this, as you know, for the listener, because uh, Paul and I think this is an interesting area that people don't actually uh, know as much about as they should. But what are we going to do on the day, Paul? What are you thinking? You've got uh, some lectures and then hands-on. Explain what the hands-on is going to be. The hands-on component will involve you and I mm-hmm. providing those who have enrolled with actual cases right. for them to go through. So in their own time, with the laptop, they'll go through those cases, record the findings that they can see. I will be wandering around the room, giving advice, some guidance as they go through those cases. And then at the end of the session, we'll project all of those cases and actually go through what they should have seen. There might be wine at this point, mightn't there, do you think? For you. You'll need it, but not for those doing the course. Okay, fair enough. Um, and the things that, as a DMFR, what are the things that you see that concern you that you think you might address at this at this meeting? First thing is the quality of panoramic radiographs being taken in general dental practices. I think it's very poor. Mm-hmm. And it's also poor in medical radiology practices. Panoramic radiographs are amongst the most difficult conventional radiographs to take. Technically, they're difficult to take. Anyone can look at them and know that it's poorly taken, but a lot of people don't know why it looks that that way. So uh, without the presence of an OPG machine, how will we address that at the course? We can cover the theory of taking panoramics without any problems at all. So So And go through patient positioning at the same time. Most machines... You know, have three lights to get the patient in the correct position. We'll go through that. So I think we'll show them the way that I think they'll be able to take the best panoramic possible. You can't always take a great panoramic on every patient. Kyphotic patients, for example, you can't. What's a kyphotic patient? Excuse my ignorance. With the spine is fused right. and angled forward. Mm-hmm. So that results in... Get a lot of ghost imaging from the spine on the radiograph, right. and you have to take the radiograph with a chin up, otherwise okay. the machine will hit into their shoulders. Right. So I think we're going to cover patient positioning for taking panoramic radiographs. Then we're going to look at interpretation of panoramic radiographs. Most dentists think they know everything about interpretation of panoramic radiographs, but there are lots of areas where pathology is often missed, and so they're the areas that we want to talk about. Um. And so I guess what you're saying is that at the end of it, people will know how to recognise a good one and know how to make them their radiographs more good than ones that they know are bad. I think those that are taking their own panoramic radiographs will, will know correct patient positioning, how to correct problems if there is a problem with the radiograph. Those who don't take them will also get some benefit from it because they will understand what happens to the image if the patient is positioned incorrectly. So, for example, you know, if the head's rotated to the left, all the structures on that side will be horizontally enlarged and there'll be overlapping of teeth and the right maxillary sinus will become opaque. Right. Those sorts of things. 
And so the second part of the course, obviously OPG is an important part because they're probably the most commonly recorded radiograph, I'm guessing, without knowing that. But in terms of CBCT, what are the issues that you see with, well, CBVT, CBCT, that sort of thing? What are the concerns you have about how that's practised in Australia and New Zealand potentially? I think that a lot of... The biggest problem that I see is an unrealistic expectation of what comb beam can deliver from a lot of referrers. Mm -hmm. In terms of pre-implant imaging, which is by far the most common application at the moment, the results are very good, as long as you don't get lots of artefact to interfere with what you're looking at. So, for example, if we had a referral for a patient, they want to put an implant in the 2-4 region, there's a post-core crown on the 2-5, you won't get a lot of information about the bone in the 2-4 region, for example. We get referrers asking to exclude a fracture of a tooth, and often it's a post-core crown tooth, there's so much artefact coming out of the post-core that it'll always look like there's a fracture and there may not actually be a fracture. So I'm hoping that at the end of the course, the dentist will have a better appreciation of the limitations of comb beam, what it can and can't actually do. Mm -hmm. And you and I were talking before we started just casually about issues about uh, the load of... Um, radiation delivered, um, and we talked about younger people particularly. Can you repeat that or just talk about that a bit more? I found that very interesting. We've done some research looking into the numbers of panoramic radiographs and cone beam scans being done in this country, and by far the largest percentage of patients would be less than 20, and probably 70% of those would be females. And I think the reason for that, and we're only speculating, is that more teenage females have orthodontic treatment. And so there's quite a large application for comb beam in, in orthodontics. And the same is true for panoramic radiographs. You know, by far the largest number are taken for orthodontic cases. We seem to be doing more and more ortho, more general dentists are doing ortho, mm. so there are more panoramics, more comb beams being taken. And the numbers of comb beams being taken is exploding. Medical radiology practices have got comb beam machines. Dentists are putting in their own comb beam machines. So there is a significant load to the population in terms of radiation, and I think that young growing patients are receiving more than, than adults. So that's something we need to be aware of. And when you say young growing patients, there's a, there's a medical result of that, isn't that, compared to an old person like me having an OPG? I mean, obviously, I'm not going to be around that much longer, hopefully at least till the 14th of uh, April. We can only hope. <clears throat> but uh, can you just be more specific about what that issue is with young people having radiation dose? So there's an issue about radiosensitivity of different tissues. In simple terms, those tissues that have a high cell turnover are more susceptible to the direct effects of ionising radiation. So that means the effects on DNA... So that has the potential to cause a mutation that can result in cancer. So the more cell turnover there is, the more susceptible the patient is to that. So young growing patients have a lot more cell turnover generally because they're growing. But even in adults, tissues with a relatively high cell turnover like bone marrow glands, salivary glands, they have a relatively high cell turnover, so they are radiosensitive. So we need to 
try and we need to think about those. I'm not saying we don't irradiate because of that. What I'm saying is we need to keep the dose as low as possible and only deliver the amount of radiation that's going to answer the question. And the way that you'd achieve that as a comparative layperson would be that you would A, not take a radiograph unless it's necessary, whether it's CBCT or otherwise, that'd be true, wouldn't it? And, and secondly, determine the type of radiograph. So are we talking volumetric sizes as opposed to anything else or am I on the right track? Well, I think so. I think it's critical that we, you know, there are occasions where dentists might decide to get some imaging done before they even see the patient because they're more efficient. That should never happen. There should be no such thing, for example, as a routine radiograph or a screening radiograph. There needs to be a clinical indication. They should record the clinical indication of every radiograph they take. That includes a PA or a bite wing. And I think, put in simple terms, if we're looking for recurrent decay under a DO restoration in a 3.6, we're not going to use cone beam for that. I hope not. We'll use a bite wing. So that's using appropriate imaging to answer the question. Because I remember years ago when we uh, were both at the university. <laughs> the good old days. <laughs> you, you and I had a discussion about um, full mouth PAs and uh, OPGs and, and I think you said at the time that you thought there was probably no good reason to expose someone to the dosage as a screening or not using the word routine anymore but as a, a, an initial examining uh, full mouth series you would say that an OPG is more appropriate than full-mouth PAs in most circumstances, or is that did I misunderstand you? I would think in just about every circumstance, unless you can't get a diagnostic panoramic radiograph. Yep. So I, I think the theory would be, you know, we need to look at all of the dentition, for example, periodontal disease. That was the periodontists are the ones that tended to really push full-mouth PAs. So a well-taken panoramic radiograph, and then if you need more information, then you could take a PA, for example, or you could go to comb beam. Mm -hmm. And different comb beam machines are capable of providing different fields of view. So some machines will only do a small field of view. AccuiTomo, for example, one of their machines will only do an area four by four centimetres. That's it, no other options. A machine like ICAT has three, has a, a variable range of options. So ICAT, you can't change the diameter of the field, you can vary the height of the field. So I can't just do quadrant three, for example, I'd have mm. to do the whole mandible. Yeah. But I can just do the mandible or I can just do the maxilla, that sort of thing. Plan Mecca have a machine, have three different types of machines, but one of their machines, the Promax Max, three options, five by six centimetres, nine by 10, whole head. So if we had a patient referred and we just wanted to look at a small region to put an implant in, we'd probably use the Promax and just do a five by six. As long as you know what you're doing and you get the area that you want. If you don't know what you're doing and you miss the area, then you've got to do the scan again, you double the dose. So if, a pra if practitioners are, well, even if they just listen to this and gain some information, but if practitioners are coming, well, just to be clear, there'll be... Uh, this is where you're supposed to ask me about the incredibly interesting part that I'm going to talk about, Paul, and I know you want to do that shortly. I want to keep that to a minimum. <laughs> <laughs> I think everyone does. Um, so uh, how the day is going to run is uh, theory in the morning, 
over APGs and CBCT and general questions, I guess, that people might have. And then in the afternoon will be the practical sit-around, hopefully high-quality laptop, if people can bring those clearly, um, or share with others, and will be some laptops there if people can't. Um, and at the end of the day, we'd hope that they understand these issues better, wouldn't we? Well, if they don't, we're not doing our job very well. And, um, we shouldn't say it's that. Your, sure. It's your component I'm a bit worried about, but if we get to your component... <laughs> One of the issues is that with a large field of view cone beam machine, there are lots of areas that are demonstrated that are beyond the scope of a general dentist, even dental specialist, to actually interpret accurately. Yep. So when I give lectures, one of the things that I'll always say is that if you do a scan, you are responsible for the entire volume. So, for example, large field of view, there are lots of soft tissues that are presented, the airways are presented, cervical spine, base of skull, brain, paranasal sinuses. You need to, my understanding is from a lecture that I read about, written by yourself, you need to assess all of those areas. And I might be wrong, but what I've been saying to the dentist is that no one would expect you to look at a cone beam data set, see a lytic area in cervical spine, the body of C1, and be able to know that that is a bone marrow space, multiple myeloma, cystic degeneration, secondary degenerative joint disease, but what would be appropriate is for them to identify that there is an area that doesn't look normal and get someone who knows what they're doing to interpret it. That's interesting. I think that is in that article that you, well, I'm going to say, asked me to write because... <laughs> A more senior uh, lawyer couldn't do it, and I was the full backup, as often is the case. Um, that 2012 article in the Australian Dental Journal, um, we highlighted that, didn't we, or when I say we, I, together, uh, that that is an issue that people in those days, this is going back referring to sort of 2010-12, so some seven years ago, people were using ICAT machines uh, to get make reconstructed APGs without a consideration of the dose. and. There were some articles that I'd researched then and, and I noticed that you are so desperate for um, articles on this that you actually referenced in, in one of your recent articles. And I th we talked about this the other day that perhaps it's time to review that again and, and that's one of the things I'd like to do, uh, it, not by the time we do this course, but I think a review of that's appropriate simply because of the volume of radiographs being recorded and the lack of... I guess, advertence to the, the whole scheme. Dentists, don't we, as dentists, I think we can still call ourselves dentists, although you and I haven't done an amalgam, I suggest, suggest for a long time. Thank God. Um, would uh, think that dentists often focus on those areas and that they're working on. And, and you alerted me to this some years ago that if you take, um, when I did your APG course, which was only for a day, it felt like a lot longer, but... <laughs> You <laughs> so much information. <laughs> you said to me that, and I tell anyone who'll listen to do this, is that a good practice is to take your radiographs as needed through the day for your diagnostic purposes, for your procedures, but then to review those and look at them without the effect of having the patient in the chair at the time. And I did that at the time, and I'm just amazed at what you see when you haven't got the pressure of making a, a procedural decision. I'm surprised you even remember that, Brad. I do, Paul. Look, there are some things you say I do listen to. There's quite a lot of things I don't. Um, so just to quickly cover off, uh, the small section of the day will be a discussion about these medical legal aspects, but that's not a large part of it. It will be a short part just to, to blend that together. 
Um, so onto the social part, Paul, which I know that um, I'm very interested. You're very in. interested in. <laughs> Just if anyone of the listener is interested, we're going to meet on the Friday afternoon, have some drinks, go to dinner in Waiheke. Now, what I want to tell people about Waiheke is it's, uh, and lots of people have said to me, oh, actually, Brad, I do know about Waiheke, but I don't think there's that many who've been. Um, in, in terms of the general population, it's a great place, and I know it's a bit of a travel ordeal to get there in the sense that you've got to fly to Auckland first. But um, I'm looking forward to the group of people. We've got a number of people committed so far, um, some specialists, some generalists, and it should be a lot of fun. But it is we are crowding it into the Friday, to the Saturday, so that all of the work will be done on the Saturday, and then if people want to stay later, they can. Um, but, um, well, look, thanks for talking to me on a Saturday morning, Paul, and I'm sure you'd be preferring to do something else, but I think it's good for people to understand what it's going to be about. And even today, speaking to you, I've learned something again. Amazing, isn't it? All right. Well, I'll see you on the, uh, well, probably I'll see you before the 14th of April, but of any of the listeners or listener who's listening, you'd be more than welcome. And, uh, I think we'll advance the benefits to your patients significantly if you can take on board these issues that Paul's raised.